When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in. What's right, Nick Wright? Podcast, YouTube show, like, rate, subscribe, review, do all of that. If you are just listening to the show, I strongly recommend you also check it out on YouTube. We have a full-blown production staff, thanks to the folks at Blue Duck Media, and they do an amazing job with the videos. They add elements. They do a lot of fun, cool things. But I'm going to be totally honest. I don't even always see all of them initially because I do the show, so I don't feel, really feel a need to always watch the show in its entirety. And But then all of a sudden, I, I check it out. Sometimes I'm like, oh, they added something <laughs> cool there. So check that out on YouTube. This is episode number 68 uh, coming out tomorrow will be our week two gambling show. Week one, we lost a bit of money. But you know what? I'm very proud of the process. We'll talk more about that on the gambling show. But where we must start the show, and let me sit up straight because I'm not really, you know, I'm kind of dressed casual today. So I got to keep my posture right. That's, again, that's a YouTube exclusive. If you want to see what I wear every time, you want to see Demonze, who is trying to patent these shorts with, like, Demonze likes going two seasons within one wardrobe. He likes going shorts below the waist. And like damn near a parka above the waist. It, it's a unique look, but you know what? It might catch on. I'm not sure. All right. Before we get to what we're starting with, which I assume will be Thursday Night Football, let's get to what we are not discussing on today's show. What did not make the show? Serena Williams joking about unretiring. Small take there. Remember how Tom Brady threw his last touchdown pass and the guy paid all that money and then he came back and they're like, okay, you can have that money back because oh. it's not his actual last touchdown pass? What are they going to do for me? who paid thousands of dollars to go to her final match, bought a bunch of honey deuces. Demonza was like, are we keeping these cups? You're damn straight. We're keeping those cups. They're from Serena's final match. We I segregated that and that might not be her, her actual final match. Melvin Gordon saying he'll see Seattle in the Super Bowl. I guess he thinks a lot of the Seahawks and a lot of the Broncos <laughs> are going to be buying tickets to go see that game in Arizona. And Kawhi Leonard releasing a hip hop album. None of that made the show. I, I, I'm wow. I'm unfamiliar with the Kawhi story. I'm That's not going to lie to you, but it's not in the show, so we don't have to worry about it. Demonze, what is in the show? Oh, so your beloved Chiefs play the Chargers oh, tonight. Oh, yeah. By the way, you said my beloved Chiefs. Again, YouTube exclusive right now. Look at this. Literally wearing Chiefs socks today. They don't really go with the outfit, but that, you know, got to have a little Chiefs red on when it's a big divisional game on national television. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, so the Chiefs are favored by four points. Yeah. No Keenan Allen for the Chargers. Yes, but no Trent McDuffie, the Chiefs' first-round rookie uh, corner for the Chiefs, and no kicker, no Harrison Bucker. They got hurt because of that shoddy turf in Arizona. Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, this ain't Arizona, man. This yeah. is the Chargers. So are you a little nervous? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there I, I think Chargers are an excellent football team. Listen. I think the Chiefs are the best team in football. I don't think they're going to go 20-0. and 0. They're going to lose at some point. And if you ask me, their three hardest games of the year is the game against the Chargers in L.A., the home game against the Bills, and the home game against the Chargers. So these are the, this is one of their three most difficult games. One could argue their second most difficult game since they own the Bills. And the... Patrick Mahomes, here's some fun facts for you. Patrick Mahomes, in his career against the AFC West, is 16-1 and against the Raiders and the Broncos. 16-1 and against those two divisional teams. He's 5-2 and against the Chargers, and one of those wins came in overtime last year. The Chargers have played him tough. They even played him tough pre-Justin Herbert. Now they have Justin Herbert. So why do they play him tough? Because they can get, they can rush with just four guys. They don't have to send an extra guy. And if you can get home with four, that is the only established recipe to slowing Mahomes down. They were able to do that in years past before they added Khalil Mack. Now they have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. So yes, and the Chiefs kicker is out. Second best kicker in football line, Justin Tucker. 
So that does make me nervous. Why am I? Go ahead. I wouldn't be nervous. Why? I think the the Chiefs look. If I were in your position and I had as much riding on the Chiefs as you, I mean, I'd obviously I wouldn't feel the same as I felt when they were playing the Cardinals, but I'd still have. Do you that. think I should be a little more arrogant, a little more chest out? This is yeah. what Kevin Wilde said. I, I, that Pat Mahomes got a chip on his shoulder, man. I agree, and I think the Chiefs are going to win. I also, however, think the Chargers are an excellent team, and it wouldn't. I would have been shocked if they lost to the Cardinals. Because this game's an arrowhead, I'd be surprised if they lose tonight, but I wouldn't be shocked. Right. But here is the thing. The Chargers last year, as good as they were, missed the playoffs. Why? Well, because they lost in Week 18. Why'd they lose in Week 18? Couldn't stop the run. Why were they in position to need to win in Week 18 to make the playoffs? They couldn't stop the run. Their run defense is terrible all year long. They think they upgraded it a little bit. We don't go from worst in the league to very good overnight, right? Right. The Chiefs are now built in a way that if they want to run the ball, they can. And I don't know if that's going to be the game plan, but with this offensive line and when you're, you have legitimate concerns about that pass rush, I can't believe I'm saying this with the Patrick Mahomes team, but running the football early and often to slow down that pass rush is not a terrible idea. Right. Here's the other reason I hate playing the Chargers. Their coach, Brandon Staley. Make a little coffee, my apologies. Their coach, Brandon Staley, is the most aggressive fourth down coach in the NFL. Now, he gets criticized by a lot of the older media. Oh, take the points. Oh, punt the ball away. It's unequivocally smart the way he coaches. And I know that from an analytics and math perspective going for the fourth downs. I also know it from an emotional perspective. Because playing against the Chargers is exhausting. Because when you watch football with me, what am I yelling when the Chiefs or a team I bet on is on defense and it's third down? Get off the field. Right. Force a stop. Get off the field. Against the Chargers, forcing a stop on third down does not necessarily get you right. off the field. You got to do it again. And it opens up the playbook so much for them that third and five or more, nobody runs the ball. Because you got to get five plus yards. The Chargers can. Right. Because if they only get four yards and it's fourth and one, they're, they're going, going for it. it. So they're an exhausting team to play. Herbert has an argument that he's already one of the three best quarterbacks in football. Now the no Keenan Allen hurts them. We'll see if JC Jackson plays. He's their big free agent acquisition from New England. I like the Chiefs tonight. We'll find you'll you'll find out. Well, actually, you know what? The gambling show comes out tomorrow. But spoiler alert on the gambling show, I didn't like the Chiefs enough to bet them at minus four. They were, I almost, this. you can bet games a week ahead of time before the week one. Like, you can bet week three games right now, even though week two hasn't happened, called look-ahead lines. The Chiefs were minus two and a half on the look-ahead line. And I was like, oh boy. I bet they, that's before the Cardinals game. I was like, I bet that line moves. I should bet it now. And I didn't when they were minus two and a half. So I'm not going to bet it when they're minus four, but I should have done it then. All right. Well, I know what we're doing next. Just quickly. There's the clock right now says 10 and a half minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about the Brett Favre story. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Robert Sarver story. The Brett Favre stuff. I'll let you intro it, but I'm giving a fair warning to the audience. Brett Favre stuff is going to touch on politics. The Robert Sarver story is going to talk a lot about race and sexism. That, If you are somebody that does not want to hear or see or deal with any of my opinions on that, I love you, Nick, but I think your opinions on the things that actually matter in the world suck. Come back in, we'll call it eight minutes. So on your podcast app, give yourself eight minutes. You can fast forward eight minutes. And on YouTube, just scroll forward until the clock says about two minutes. Okay, now go ahead, Demonte. You appreciate that disclaimer? Yep. A uh, new text message in a civil lawsuit linked Brett Favre to a former Mississippi governor. The text suggests that the plan was to divert $5 million to play for a new volleyball stadium. $5 million in welfare money to pay for a new volleyball stadium where Brett Favre's daughter played at Southern Miss. Yep. Right. Um. Uh. Sorry. No, you're Favre, fine. I Favre, jumped in. Obviously, yeah, Favre's daughter was on the team. Yeah. What do you think of, of this situation? Okay. So, obviously, this is just pathological. 
And Shannon Sharp said it. Miss Shannon Sharp said this part, and it's correct. I just want to reiterate it. Mississippi is the poorest state in the country. The poor people of Jackson, Mississippi, don't even have clean drinking water. And it also happens to be a city my wife lived in, the city or the state my wife lived in, and the state where Demonze was born. And it, it is just pathological to steal, which is what this is, from the poorest people in the country, which is what welfare recipients in Mississippi qualify as some of the poorest, most destitute people in the country. And to divert these funds so you can look like a, a hero, like you donated money to uh, Southern Miss for Viable Stadium is just unfathomable. This is on top of the fact he already got some money from the state for speeches he didn't give. But everyone agrees with that, I think. Everyone agrees with that. Here is the where I said it's going to touch on politics. It is absolutely maddening to me what, and the media has a ton to do with this, and the general, just people's general perceptions, what we decide to get angry about. My entire life, my whole life, I have seen people elected or run campaigns or the news media focus on what they call waste or abuse of uh, basically poor people getting too much. Uh, we'll give you food stamps, but are you going to spend it on lobster? Oh, where you, you, can, you can have welfare if you're working poor, but you need to verify through six levels of bureaucracy that you're actually working out getting a job. Like this is where the waste of our tax dollars go, that it's poor people that are getting over on everybody. And it's just impossible when you know how the world actually works, when you know that nobody, nobody of any substance bats an eye that we all agree, oh yeah, the, the wealthiest people have spent a lot of money to work around taxes, to cheat on taxes, to find loopholes in taxes. That is, that is money that could go in the coffers. The coffers are so worried about that if somebody, if a poor person wants to go to the grocery store, there's certain foods they can't buy because they don't qualify. But nobody looks at it in the same bucket. We all acknowledge that some of the most profitable companies in the country, we are paying their employees and nobody cares. What do I mean we are paying their employees, okay? So this is very simple and I don't know why more people don't talk about this, all right? We have decided, rightly or wrongly, I think rightly, that there is a poverty threshold in this country. That if you don't make X amount of dollars, we, the taxpayer, will kick in with food stamps, welfare, Medicaid, different things to help you get there. Get to what we call like the basic minimum standard of living. How We've also decided as a country that there is a minimum wage companies must pay. It hasn't raised in my lifetime, it feels like, around eight bucks an hour. We know what full-time work is, okay? Full-time work is 2,080 hours a year. Call it eight bucks an hour, even though the federal minimum wage is a little lower than that. So 2,080 times eight bucks an hour, you're at $16,160. That is beneath the amount of money you need to make to qualify for welfare, food stamps, Medicaid. So we, the taxpayer, kick in the difference. Nobody makes this point. That just means we, the taxpayer, are paying the wages for Walmart and McDonald's and all these massive companies. Their employees make less than poverty level. They're working full time. We say, okay, you should make more, which of course you should. Nobody says, God damn, that seems ridiculous. If you work a full-time job, you probably shouldn't need government assistance. Right. But we allow these companies to have a full-time wage be so little that even if you work a full-time job, you qualify for government assistance. It's insane. We just, the, the, the vitriol we as a country and, and lack of care we have for poor people putting spikes on benches so people can't sleep on them. It just the, 
It's just such anger and disdain that the governor of the poorest state in the country can think, you know what? I know this five million bucks might actually help some some really, really down and out people. But I'd rather get to hang out with Brett Favre for a bit. And Brett Favre, who's from Mississippi, who, even though maybe doesn't hang out with him now, undoubtedly knew very poor people growing up. It's like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's just make sure nobody finds out. It's gross. It is absolutely gross. And our, our inability as people to focus on the real villains and instead act like anybody out there barely holding on by a thread is there because they want to be there. Ah, they're just lazy. Man, nobody said, nobody when they were 10 years old was like, here's my plan. I'm going to work as little as possible, sponge off the government, maybe panhandle a bit, never be able to have any luxuries whatsoever because that's easier than working a full-time job. People are there, yes, sometimes because of bad choices, but but they're just, it. it's just unbelievable, and it makes me so mad. Okay, speaking of things that make me mad, Robert Sarver, go ahead. Uh, Suns owner Robert Sarver was fined $10 million and suspended a year after an investigation into the Suns' workplace misconduct. Yeah. Uh, the investigation found that he was an equitable that there was inequitable treatment to female employees. And Sarver had also said the N-words about five, the N-word about five times. Yeah. Afterwards, around five times. Around uh, five just times. Just short of a half dozen N-words. That's right. all. Go ahead. LeBron said the league definitely got this one wrong. Yeah. Uh, why isn't he getting the Donald Sterling treatment? Okay. So LeBron, and I give credit to LeBron uh, for at least saying something. Chris Paul said something, you said something. I'm going to be much quicker here. By the way, if you just came back, I said it'd be eight minutes. I spent about six minutes on the Favre story. I've spent about a minute, maybe two minutes here. So if you need to come back in two minutes, that's fine. Uh, and then we'll be back to sports. So the Sterling thing was more vivid and it was easier. And I actually, so obviously Sarver shouldn't be an owner of an NBA team. And also, obviously, anyone acting shocked that the league couldn't easily and cleanly rip his team is being disingenuous. And also, anyone acting like those 29 other owners weren't a little worried about precedent setting, that if I'm creepy in the workplace or if I have a history of dropping some racial slurs, you might rip my team, is kidding themselves. Robert Sarver's notorious bad guy. And shout out, by the way, to Baxter Holmes at ESPN, because everyone knew Sarver was a bad guy forever. Nobody did anything about it. He wrote a story a, a year ago, which is why the NBA launched their investigation. That story then cost Sarver 10 million bucks a year away from the team, a ton of embarrassment, all that. But he's not going to get the team ripped. Now, my friend Howard Beck asked Adam Silver, hey, if a team employee said did this, if I did this, you know, they'd be fired. Why is it different for Robert Sarver? And Adam Silver said in not so many words, because he's the owner and employees aren't owners. And people got mad at that. That is obviously true, though. It's not, it's not fair. It's not right. But I thought Dragonfly Jones put it exactly right. And we can end something lighthearted. David Dragonfly writes... David Stern would have basically said the same thing Silver did, except he would have flamed the bleep out of Howard Beck in the process. Of course there's a different standard for owners. How old are you, Howard? Look at little Howie, finally figuring out how the world works. <laughs> and, and again, that's not mocking Howard Beck. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are obviously, and we all know it, different rules for different people in different positions of power. And the most powerful always from the beginning of time can get away with far more egregious behavior than the least powerful. There is one exception in modern America, which seems like the, the 
Well, actually, you know what? It's not, I'm not even going to say it. it's not even really an exception. So let me retract that a bit. And so we, it is, I, I think anyone acting shocked that it was not as simple as this is a terrible dude. He's clearly racist. He's clearly misogynist. He's clearly inappropriate in the workplace. And therefore we can easily cleanly rip his team. That's that was it was never going to be like that. So I'm not shocked they didn't rip his team. Do I think this could hurt the Suns? Do I think that if you were Chris Paul, do I think that if you were more importantly because he's younger, Devin Booker, this makes you think long and hard about is this a viable place to play? Sure, but you're gonna you know pick and choose, man. I think there's a lot of these owners that don't have this rap sheet, but if you did a multi-month Deep dive investigation. I don't think it's turning out great. All right, what's last? All right, well, we got a little bit of basketball. With football, we couldn't, with football going on last week, we didn't have time to talk about it. Yeah. But Steph Curry went on to Rolling Stone and told and said that Golden State had conversations about trading for KD this summer. Yeah. Steph said that he would have been very excited about it, but he's cool with his current team. Why did he bring this up and should they have done it? All right, I don't think he brought it up. I, you know what I mean? I think he was asked about it. And, yeah. And, why did he say this? Why did, well, I think he's because he's being honest. And I think Steph's feeling himself and rightfully feels like, man, I can do anything right now. Right. I'm made. I was already a made man. Now I'm like a double made man. I don't got to worry about any of this nonsense. So I think that's the first reason. Uh, should they have done it? I mean, if the only goal was to win as many championships as possible, obviously. If the goal was the health and well-being of the NBA, the health and well-being of Steph and Draymond's min- and Clay's mental state, because I think I, mental state's the wrong word, but I think they're happier yeah. winning this t- title than any of the ones with KD. It would have been terrible for the league. It would have been terrible. I I I would have hated it so much. So I'm listen. Steph confirming that he would have been okay with it is interesting. I'm so incredibly glad it didn't happen. All right, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back in episode 68. What's right, Nick Wright? We have Nick Wright, public defender coming up. We got to talk a little football before that. But Demonze told me there is breaking news. He has not told me what the breaking news is. We are recording this on Thursday morning. You guys are going to see it on Thursday afternoon. Demonze, take us there. We got an emergency Knicks tennis court. Is Serena officially unretiring? No, it's a little bit different. Along the same lines, though. Uh, Roger Federer has announced retirement oh. as we started recording the show today. Oh. How do you, what are, what are your, that makes me sad. About that? Listen, I've on this show said Nadal is, has the best argument for the tennis goat. I think he has the best resume. I think Peak Federer is the best player ever. Okay. So I think these are, you know, I, I think Peak Federer is the highest level tennis that's ever been played. And I think it was super important for him. He snagged that one French Open, so you couldn't even, yeah, butt him there. And on the other surfaces, though, it's undeniable. On, you know, as we talk about a lot, three surfaces, clay, grass, and hard court. It's undeniable. He's, I, I think it's undeniable that he's the best ever on hard court and grass. He's clearly not even close to the best ever on clay. But overall package everything i think i think he played tennis at the highest level anyone's ever played it uh it's not surprising that he retired uh, i mean he hasn't been competing for majors in almost five years now i think his last major was early 2018 so we're talking almost five years uh but that is a it is unbelievable that you know over the last 20 years we have lived in an era in no particular order of LeBron, Tiger, Brady, Federer, Serena, Nadal, Biles, Phelps. So many people, and I'm leaving some bolt that are, are that are in the argument for the greatest in the history of their sport. And if anyone replies in the comments, Nick, you forgot about Mike Trout, zip it. Trout's an awesome player. He is not Floyd. in the Floyd Mayweather. There you go. Uh, it, Trout's not in the in the room for the greatest baseball player ever. He's an all-timer. He's not in the room. Uh, by the way, you don't talk baseball on the show. 
The fact that Pools might actually get to 700, and the fact that as we're recording this right now, Aaron Judge, not only is he going to get to 62, he's 20 home runs clear of second place, something that hasn't happened since Babe Ruth. It's unbelievable. But to the Federer thing, it's, I mean, he's, I wish you could have watched peak Federer. I know you don't care. I wish you could have watched peak Federer. Federer in the early 2010s was, well, really, the 20 aughts to the 2010s was just an inevitability. And I, I, I think Nadal and maybe Djokovic have passed him resume-wise. I don't think any of them have gotten quite to the level he was at at his apex. All right, what's next? Usain Bolt as well. I said Bolt. Oh, sorry. Whoever said that in your ears screwed you up there. I didn't hear it. But um, okay, let's go. go. <laughs> the Rams, Niners, Broncos, Packers, and Bills are all double-digit di- double favorites this week. Mm-hmm. It's the NFL, though. One of these teams is bound to lose. Who is most likely to lose outright? Okay. So let's look at this screen for a moment here. All right, I am I am certain that the Packers aren't losing. I am very, very confident the Bills aren't losing. I don't think the Titans are good, and the Bills appear to be excellent. Uh, what? Let's see. Go ahead. I, I feel good about the Niners. The Niners should win. I don't think the Seahawks are very good. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't include the Niners in a money line parlay flatly because there is the unknown with Trey Lance plus the injuries they're already dealing with. The Rams looked horrifying against the Bills. Okay. It was concerning how bad they looked. But they get an extra three days of rest. They're at home. The Falcons are coming off another stomach-punching Falcons loss. It's very hard to see them losing. Broncos are interesting. (laughs) That's exactly, I knew where this was going. Okay, well, just just (laughs) listen to me here. One day less rest. Emotionally, huge letdown. And the Texans for three quarters looked good. Then they melted against... Uh, San Fran? No, they weren't playing San Francisco. They were the Texans were playing the team they they tied them. The Colts. They they melted against the Colts. I listen. The odds are this is a you know a great survivor week, meaning every you know you have five ten point favorites essentially. They all are probably going to win. But if I'm power ranking them in most likely to least likely confidence meter confidence. Most confident in the Packers, second most confident in the Bills, third most confident in the Niners, because again, the Seahawks have one day less arrest, fourth most confidence in the Rams, and least confident in the Broncos. I'm not picking the Texans, but of those five teams, the Texans are probably the second best team behind the Titans, the five underdogs. And I just, and I think the Broncos might be the worst of those five teams. Okay, and next. he hates Russell Wilson. No, listen, man. Right. Russell's teammates hate Russell Wilson. We found that out, but go ahead. Uh, His ex-teammates, I should say. All right, so next, I mean, we've got... Oh, what are you doing? You're fumbling around. A little bit of public defender over here. Really? Put my damn wig on. Um, Yeah, man, you know where this is going. I've got okay, a th- what is going on with your wig, buddy? All right. So yesterday on Coward Show, you said that Hackett's decision was indefensible at yeah. the end of the Monday night game. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we've got the Saul Goodman of the sports world here, and you can defend this, or you got a chance to defend him, defend the indefensible guy. Uh, everybody's been coming after the Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett for his clock for his clock management skills on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, with three timeouts and over and over a minute left, the Broncos washed 45 seconds and let it go down and kicked a 64-year-old, 64-year-old, 64-yard field goal. You right there, buddy? And lost. Yeah. Counsel, your client is Nathaniel Hackett. All right. Listen. And again, I want everyone to understand, Nick Wright, public defender, is... Yeah, I think that wig squeezed your brain a little bit. You, you couldn't speak. Uh... This is Nick Wright, public defender. The views espoused over the rest of this segment are not necessarily the views of Nick Wright, but however, it is my constitutional obligation to defend my clients. 
Everyone's killing my client, Nathaniel Hackett, for doing what quite literally every coach who's ever had Russell Wilson has eventually done, taking the ball out of his hands. Oh, you think that's unfair? Well, let's uh, look at the evidence. Where did Russell Wilson start college? Not Wisconsin, where he finished NC State. Why did he leave NC State? Playing time. Because the coach benched him. Hmm. So that coach saw Russell Wilson and said, oh, I'll think. Then he goes to Seattle. What is the single biggest mistake of Pete Carroll's life as a football coach? Putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands instead of Marshawn Lynch's. Trusting Russell Wilson to throw rather than trusting his teammates. Russell Wilson, then after that, as that decision was ripping apart what could have been a dynasty in Seattle, wanted to cook. Made a catchphrase. Got to hire his own offensive coordinator. He got rid of the Legion of Boom. Made it all a Russell Wilson-centric team. And what happened? A team that went to consecutive Super Bowls could have won consecutive Super Bowls. Since that Super Bowl, uh, they won three playoff games in nearly a decade. One of those games came against the McCown brother. One of those games came against the Detroit Lions. And one of those games came against the Vikings. I think it was 10-9 when Blair Walsh missed a 27-yard field goal, saved the game. So, Pete Carroll then eventually trades Russell Wilson. We've tried putting the ball in your hands, and what did it get us? One playoff victory in the last five years. Not out of round two since the Super Bowl, which we lost because we put the ball in your hands. And my client is being attacked because after being around Russell Wilson for an off season, for a training camp, for a preseason that Russell was too big to play in, I decided I'll trust the kicker rather than Russ. And I would also like to mention this. When you were watching this football game, did it look like Russ was protesting? Did it look like Russ wanted the ball? <laughs> did it look like Russ wanted to stay on the field? Or was my client maybe doing a favor for the quarter of a billion dollar quarterback who didn't want the final failure to be on his broad shoulders. That my client said, you know what? I'll take the bullets for you, Russ. So listen, you can believe Russell Wilson or you can believe literally every coach he's ever had. I rest my case. All right. That was really good. Okay, but it's all easy from here after defending that doofus Nathaniel Hackett, but at least it did give me an opportunity to take a few little shots of Russell Wilson, which I like to do which so much. Love all to right, do. what's next? Uh, quarterback Tom, quarterback coach Tom House said in 2013 or 2014, Bill Belichick seriously discussed trading Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Counsel, your client is so-called greatest coach ever, Bill Belichick. Okay, and Brady obviously has won four Super Bowls since then. We know, the court knows that. We know that. It's a little misleading, though. So let's just, let me take you back to 2014. 2014, Tom Brady is 37 years old. At that point in time, there had been no quarterbacks ever play at a high level past age 38. In 2014, Tom Brady had not won a Super Bowl in 10 years. 2014, Tom Brady appeared to be a declining player. Bill Belichick's job was then, is now, and always will be as long as he's head coach of the New England Patriots and essentially de facto GM and team president is to not only worry about this season, but also worry about next season and the seasons far after that. It would be irresponsible for my client not to have discussed any and all options for the long-term well-being of the New England Patriots. And I don't know why my client's being attacked for discussions rather than being applauded for deciding after having those discussions, you know what, I believe in Tom. He's going to buck the trend. He's not going to play well into his late 30s, his early 40s. 
the three Super Bowls we won in 01, 03, and 04, we're going to match those. The four Super Bowls we made, or the, at that point, the five Super Bowls we've made in our, the 10 years, 14 years actually, that Tom's been our starter through 2014, we're going to make damn near as many over the next five years. So I don't, I don't understand if you, if you are seriously discussing selling your house and then choose not to, and five years later it doubles in value, are people criticizing you for discussing it? No, they're applauding you for not doing it. And to act like it's crazy to discuss it when Tom Brady had gone a decade without winning a Super Bowl, when no one knew, not even clearly, Tom Brady's own family that he was going to play for damn near 10 more years. I, You know what? Those poor kids. You know what? I, I request... I don't even want this to go to the jury. Your Honor, I think should rule for the bench from the bench. You should dismiss this case outright with prejudice. It's, it's it's a frivolous lawsuit brought for no reason with no merit whatsoever. The defense rests. The defense never should have had to be here. Okay. Bang the gavel. All right. What's next? Let's get it, Jerry. Not let's get it. That's inappropriate. We're in the court. Jerry Jones said Tuesday that the Cowboys won't be placing Dak on. In Injury reserve, reserve because because they expect him back. From I'm here to help your honor. He he also said they won't add a quarterback because he feels confident with Cooper Rush and Will Greer. Mm-hmm. Counsel, your client is the Cowboys owner and clearly not a doctor, Jerry Jones. Okay, your honor. I just want to make make sure I have this right. I was just in your courtroom defending a case against the same, just very litigious and very frivolous law firm that if you remember your honor they were attacking a different front office personnel of a different team for not having faith in a quarterback now i'm the exact same law firm is attacking my client jerry jones for what for having too much faith for believing that dak prescott is going to work hard and rehab well and he's gonna smash that timetable. We saw a far inferior athlete, smaller person, with a far, you know, with a similar injury, Russell Wilson, last year, come back in three weeks. Dak Prescott can't come back in four. And why should my client not have faith in Cooper Rush? Oh, Cooper Rush is undrafted. When would there ever be an undrafted small school quarterback play well for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, hi, Tony. Oh, yeah, that's Tony Romo who came here to support Jerry. Tony, remind me, where were you drafted? Oh, undrafted? Where'd you go to college? Oh, Eastern Michigan? Oh, okay. So, I'm sorry, Tony. Eastern Illinois? West? It doesn't matter. Nobody cares about your college career, Tony. Thank you for showing up, though. Point being, I don't know what you want. You're like the damn... Goldilocks of the legal world. This porridge is too hot. This porridge is too cold. Like, I have too much faith in this quarterback, not enough faith in that quarterback. I don't get it. I don't know what you want from me. I do know that I shouldn't have to drag my ass down to this courtroom at nine in the morning for more of this nonsense. The next time I'm here, it better be for good reason. You better have a real case to bring against one of my clients or stop wasting my time. You got some pretty good cases today. Okay, well, let's see. Last one. Bang the gavel. I love this last one. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, my thing's almost falling off. So, Kyle Kuzma wore this outfit to New York Fashion Week. We're going to pop up a graphic here for the... uh, Yeah. Okay. What do you call them? The jurors. The jurors. Yes. Counsel. Yeah. Defend the fashion choice of your client, Kyle Kuzma. Oh, well, this is... This could be a very tough one. He's not the blob. He's just, he's okay, just... Your Honor, Your Honor. Oh, sorry. Please don't prejudice the jury. Um, I don't know how I can defend this. So Kyle Kuzma was, that was in New York, right? Yeah. I don't know if we can keep showing that video. I live in New York. What, I'm not familiar, what street was that on? I don't think that's an actual street. So where was this? I think it's inside of a building. It's but new, what's it's... going on in the building? 
What's going on? It's it's a they're doing it's a fashion show. Oh, it's a fashion show. <laughs> oh, it's a fashion show yeah. where listen, I'm not uh, while we do this, you know, this courtroom also doubles as, you know, Harlem's newest and best women's boutique, Trentage. You can come see it. Uh, I am not in the fashion industry myself, but the little I know about fashion shows is that is typically a place you tr- you take chances. Yep. You try out new things. That sometimes even you have someone wear something that you never expect to sell just so the rest of your collection gets attention because yeah, people are like, oh, look at this crazy thing. This guy's wearing a space suit. This guy's wearing a, uh, a kilt with, with suspenders. Hey, again, I'm a little out of my depth, Your Honor, but in my experience, fashion shows, particularly in New York City during Fashion Week, there are some, let's call them bold, sartorial choices. Your Honor, you look a little perplexed. I would suggest you Google sartorial so you know how perfect that word usage was by me, the defense counsel. So I don't, I listen, I don't know. Either. I'm just curious. Is, is there a long line of lawsuits you're bringing against every single person that wore something at New York Fashion Week that might be out of the mainstream? Or are you picking on Kyle Kuzma because his, you know, his day job is a public figure. Are you potentially, dare I say, clout chasing Kyle Kuzma? Clout chasing Kyle Kuzma. Ho- ho- hoping that this, oh, another frivolous lawsuit can get you in the headlines and maybe get some more clients or what. You know what? The, we are a step above ambulance chasing at this point. And your honor. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm as embarrassed as I am for them. I am more embarrassed for you that you had to sit here and mm. sit through these nonsense lawsuits. The Nathaniel Hackett, it was a decent case. The other ones, I don't even know what to say. Once again, I rest my case. And once again, my perfect record against the prosecution remains intact. We'll be right back with the most potentially disastrous text message I've ever sent. That's next. What's right. All right. Welcome back in final segment, episode 68. What's right. Nick Wright podcast in YouTube show. Remember coming out tomorrow is our week two gambling show. We will discuss. You still have, by the way, Demonte, some of the wig on your head. There, you know, it's a big piece. There, no, now it's really on your forehead. There, there you go. Now, no, I'm just gonna have to go over and grab it for you, pal. I got you, buddy. Okay, we're good. That's not your fault. And you know, listen, you're a prop comic. It's not your fault, but you just gotta you make sure you're good. Okay. So, last night, I sent Demonze. I'm not gonna spoil anything yet because you said you wanted to guess. But last night, I sent Demonze the following text at 12:34 a.m. I just had the worst texting moment possibly imaginable. I'm saving it for the podcast. Remind me. You know your mother's involved. Yeah. You said you have a guess on what it is. I, I'll let you give it a guess, and then I'm going to explain what happened. Uh, did it have anything to do with mom? Yeah. Okay. Um. Did you... I thought you had something prepared. Yeah, no, but I had something prepared if it didn't have anything to do with mom. Oh, so I'm you didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're stuck. Okay, no problem. All right. Okay. I need to I need to zoom out here from first. All right. I hide it well on television, but I have diagnosed borderline crippling anxiety. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't talk about it much. There's that. That newspaper article is written about me in Kansas City like a dozen years ago. I reference it there that I actually think the anxiety like gives me my professional edge. It's right. why I work the way I do, whatever. But it can be really bad at times. And it particularly gets really bad uh, surrounding you, your sisters, and your mom. 
or just like a perpetual state. It's usually simmering. Sometimes it gets up to like a boil of fear that something bad is going to happen. Okay. So why am I explaining that? Well, in order to assuage that somewhat, I have requested, eh, when it comes to the kids, demanded that you guys always share your locations on your phone. And it has been not because I'm like trying to keep tabs on what you're doing, but when like I get my most panicked, I like to just be able to check on my phone, like where you're at, like, and just makes me feel better. Right. Even if I don't even really know where that is, like, you know what I right. mean? Like, I just like to be able to do it. I've also requested your mom do it. She's does not like, like that. She doesn't, but she does it purely to placate me. But with the understanding and agreement, I'm not like tracking her, which I'm not. Right. Okay. So now we get to last night. So Wednesday nights, your mom is like a standing date with her friend Danielle. Right. And I have a standing card game that I play in. Card game is perfectly safe, but not in the greatest part of this town. Your What typically happens is your mom and Danielle go out, dinner, drinks, whatever. Last night, I think they went to a movie premiere. Mm -hmm. And then they come meet me at the card game. Uh, and come on. So I, so I, they were supposed to already be there. And they weren't, and she wasn't answering. So I got nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, they were on their way here. Something happened to her. They couldn't get in the building. They're like, whatever. So I did something I almost never do, which is checked her location. Mm -hmm. And it was just nothing was wrong, obviously. And it was just that she hadn't left where they were yet. And I knew they were going to this movie premiere and then some club right after. So. Here is the rub of this. So this was her location. Look at right where she is and look at the bar that's right next to where she is. That, okay. So the, they were right in an area. Do you care if I say the name of it? Uh, okay. No. No. So DeMonze's like favorite night spot is this stupid New York City bar called Pianos. Sorry. Uh, loves going there. Goes there all the time. And I make fun of him for it. So I saw that. Your mom was next door, essentially, to pianos. And I screenshotted that. And I text you. Is your mom at dot, 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 pianos? I don't know if that's worse for me or for you. And I text it to you. Except I didn't. I text it to your mom. I text the screenshot of her location, which I'm not supposed to be checking, and the little sly comment about your mom to your mom. And yeah. I just thought I texted to you. Oh, that was... And then I get a text back that says what? And I look and the horror uh, uh, on my face, the absolute horror. And I just, I'm just boxed in. And so I text her back. That was for Demonze hours ago. I don't know why I said hours ago. Obvious lie. Because she wasn't even there hours ago. <laughs> hours ago. Because that's his club. Laughing emoji. She doesn't reply. Then I text her back. I text her again. Are you going to come get me from this card game? She just texts me. Are you okay? <laughs> this was the Ew. second worst text. Fiasco of my life. The worst was I used to work with a guy who hated me. Hated me. He's 20 years older than me, applied for the job I got, and then had to be like third in command on the job I got and despised me. <laughs> like it, visceral anger. And it, it was, it, it kind of went both ways, but I tried to play it cool because I kind of felt badly for the guy. He thought he was going to get the job and said they hired me to come out of town for me to get the job. And then he kind of had to work for me. It wasn't great. Yeah. But it was so dumb and so awful. And 
One time I was listening to him fill in on a radio show. And I, I'll call him Tom Jones. And okay. I texted my buddy who he was hosting with. Tom Jones might be the dumbest bleep <laughs> alive. Send, and I sent it to him. And he just texted me back question marks. And I, again, boxed him with lies. And I just, I just texted him back. You won't believe who just told me that. And just totally <laughs> ruined someone else. Oh, I, oh I pretended I, I got that text forwarded to myself. Just I still feel badly about that on all parties. That was 10 years ago. This is 10 hours ago. Fresh. And here's the thing. Your mom had had a few cocktails. She's having a really good time. By the time she saw me, I don't think she had fully processed all of it. I don't know. As of this moment, she's fully processed all of it. But I am legit dreading the next time she pulls out her phone to text me and sees, like, and in a totally clear-minded right. thing, looks at this and is like, hold on a minute. <laughs> is that my location? Why is, who was Nick sending this to? Why was he, ch it's a disaster. A total yeah. Disaster. Where was she at? Like, oh no, there, this. They were just passing by. No, the the premieres. No, the, the movie, movie right premiere had the after party for it had rented out like a banquet room or a room at one of the places in that area. Oh, uh, okay. I, I don't know that area very well, but not great, not great, man. Like, just and then when she got to the card game, I was so nervous. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a punk on some of this stuff. I just maybe you should send like a bunch of like home goods links to, to like try to stuff. try to like yeah. skew the feed. Exactly. I thought about a lot of things. I thought about like sending. You can honestly, just I honestly her phone and delete it. No, I would no that that I won't do. I don't go through her phone. I would never delete something. But what I did think about doing was like spamming it with everyone in the family's location and being like, my phone's going crazy. <laughs> like, like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Uh, like, I didn't know. I thought, <laughs> like, I sit, just sit in everyone's location. I thought about sitting my location, Dior's, yours, <laughs> just like sending them a bunch of times. I didn't know what to do. It's that new iPhone the new iPhone out, that I got updated. Oh, no, I, I've been hacked. Disaster. <laughs> Total disaster. Talk to you tomorrow with some football picks. What's right?